Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I am your host, Lindsay McCowan. And I have to tell you right now, I'm feeling a whole lot of um, butterflies in my chest. My solar plexus is a little bit tight because I'm doing a solo episode today. And in this episode, I'm going to take you on a journey uh, with me uh, around the experiences, the events leading up to my TEDx talk, Change Your Breath, Change Your World. And some of these are really personal. And as I was putting the finishing touches on the show this morning, I actually started to cry because I don't think I've ever actually written down in great detail some of these stories. I mean, I've talked about them with friends and even some family members, but a lot of it I've never actually written in detail. And I had to go back to like 2003, 2004 to really you know, bring these memories back to the surface. And as you bring memories back to the surface, you also bring back emotions. So what I'd love to do before we dive in is just take a moment like we always do at the beginning of every show is just to stop and pause and breathe. And I'm going to put my hand on my solar plexus where I feel the most tightness and restriction. And I invite you to place your hands in your body where you might feel the most tightness and restriction in this moment. And we'll just take some conscious breaths in and out through our nose. And if you're comfortable, close your eyes. If you're not, don't worry about it. Just connect to your own unique pattern of breath and creating a deeper, fuller breath in and out. And for today, what we're going to do is as you breathe in at the top of the inhale, just pause the breath one or two seconds and just experiencing the pause between breaths and then gently exhaling. And at the bottom of the exhale, Just pause the breath one to two seconds and feel yourself soften into stillness. And just continue to do this, breathing in nice and gentle. At the top, it's just a slight pause. There's no metal that you're going to be rewarded with if you hold it for the longest. But it's just enough of a pause that we can experience that stillness. And the great sage Sri Krishnamacharya said that when we inhale, the divine approaches us. And when we hold the inhale, we hold the divine within us. And as we exhale, we move towards the divine. And when we pause the breath after the exhale, it's like we surrender into that peaceful stillness where the, where the divine resides. So we breathe in, we pause the breath, we hold the divine within us, and we exhale, we move towards the divine And we pause the breath and we surrender into it and we soften into that stillness, that peace, and our essential nature. One more round. Mm. And then when you're ready, just making your way back. Okay, that makes me feel better. (laughs) I hope it made you feel better too. Okay, so your breath is the most powerful tool you have. Now, this is a really bold statement especially in a world where there's an array of fitness and health classes, spiritual practices, self-help techniques, coaches, therapists, yoga and meditation teachers, healing and transformative tools. I mean, there's so much at our fingertips now, but what they all have in common is the breath. Now, each of these modalities uses the breath as either an anchoring tool 
healing, grounding, centering, a calming, or even a transformative tool. And so the breath is incredibly powerful. And within seconds of intentional breathing, you can shift how you feel. You can change the repetitive thoughts that are running through your head. And you can alter the course of your next actions. So conscious breathing has the power to enhance your innate healing capacities, soothe the body and the emotions, steady the mind, and guide you to a connection with your inner wisdom and the divine. So when that connection is made, life can take on a new trajectory because it's powerful when you make that connection with your inner guidance and with the divine. And the great thing is, is your breath, this most powerful tool, it's free. You were born with it. It's innately yours. It's your birthright. And so, so few of us really understand the power of that because we've had it since birth. So we take advantage of that and we don't think about it a whole lot because it's, um, for the most part, it's involuntary. But when we learn how to breathe with conscious awareness, we can use this powerful tool for our own healing and our own transformation. I mean, I certainly had no idea about the power of the breath until my mid-30s. Before that, I was feeling lost and uncertain about what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I really ached to have um, a sense of purpose. I really knew I had great potential, but I didn't know how to bring that forward. I just ached for meaningful work. And I longed for a connection to spirit and to know that I was held and supported by unseen forces unconditionally. And I wanted a loving and trustworthy relationship where I was honored and adored, but I couldn't figure out what to do or where to turn to find these things. And life kept hitting me really freaking hard. <laughs> and then it was hitting me so hard, I started to harden. I started to put up defenses against the constant barrages of challenges that just really never seemed like they would end. And so I'll tell you a little about a small part of my life. It was really a span of less than a year, around nine months of my life from mid-2000 to early 2000, um, no, sorry, 2002 to 2003. And this is a time in my life where it felt like a tsunami was just violently sweeping away the foundation that I was standing on. I couldn't get, couldn't get any sure footing because over and over again, I was getting hit by a wave. And it didn't even start off as a gentle swell, like you would hope. <laughs> Not that you ever hope for a tsunami. But within the span of one week, oh, it started out within the span of one week, I found out that I was pregnant. But I also found out that I needed to have a cone biopsy to remove cancerous cells from my cervix. Now, my doctor at the time recommended that I have an abortion because the procedure would more than likely cause a miscarriage. And without the colonization, I could risk my life. And I really never thought to question him. This is, was way before Google <laughs> was a thing. And I didn't own a computer, didn't have a smartphone. It was, hell, this first smartphone wasn't even out then, I don't think. I think that was 2004. And so I just took his advice and I, because I was scared and you, I trusted my doctor. And so... I shared my conflicting emotions with my partner at the time and, you know, his body and facial expressions clearly showed me that he would not be available to raise a child, even though this is the person I had been with for like four years, we were building a house together, you know, we had gone through all of these other things and I really thought like we would stay together forever, but it was, I could, in that moment knew there was something that was different. 
And I, I never even really, really wanted children, but there was a small part of me that simply wanted him to say that he wanted the child, that he'd stand by me, that he'd choose his family, but he didn't. So I chose the abortion. Ooh, that's a lot of, that's emotions coming up right there. <laughs> because I've never really talked about this. Because to this day, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. Uh, my partner, my partner didn't go with me. He said he had a work conflict, which we all know is BS. And I was mortified to ask my friend because I was feeling uncertain about being judged. Um, I was feeling a bit of shame around it. And I feared what people might think of me. But I had to have someone go with me. So I approached a friend and she agreed to drive with me over an hour outside of my hometown because I was terrified of having it, the procedure done in my hometown that someone might see me going into the clinic. And so when we arrived, the doctor on duty had been called away for an emergency and we were told we would have to wait for hours with no clear understanding or certainty of when he would return to the clinic. Sitting there, I was... The, my body was just responding. I was so afraid, so terrified. And every minute I had to sit there and wait, it got worse and worse and worse. And finally, I told my friend, I said, we've got to go. I can't sit here for hours like this. And so as we're driving back, she was thinking, oh my gosh, this is a sign. This is a sign. You should keep the baby. I'm like, oh my God, this is not a sign. You know, like uh, the pressure was coming on and I could feel like it was, she wasn't judging me, but it definitely, I was starting to judge myself. And so when I got home, I shared with my partner and, you know, he was shocked that I didn't have the procedure and I could feel the divide growing between us and felt I could feel that there was something underneath all of this, all of his responses, and I couldn't quite place what it was. And I insisted that he go with me to the next appointment, that it should be him, not my friend standing by my side. And plus which, you know, my body was, again, convinced convinced that there was, it was a sign I should keep the baby. And after, after that, I didn't talk about it. I didn't talk about it to anyone. Only my friend knew, only my partner at the time knew, and I didn't say a word about it for decades. And I was afraid to be judged, shamed for my decision. I didn't really know what to do with all the emotions that I was experiencing. So what I did is I just pushed it down. Um, and I really didn't understand how much it affected me and, and actually my sex life for until decades later when I started to do the deeper inner work to, to uncover some of the emotions around the experience that I had. But, you know, my body always remembered. Your body always remembers the trauma. Even though you push mentally the experiences away, the memories away, the body remembers. And my body would remember during during sex my body would remember and i'd have you know i would shake after sex or i would feel awful about myself and all these different emotions were coming up but i would always tell myself i could handle it i can handle it and so a month after having the abortion and also having this uh procedure for the the cancerous cells on my cervix I was sitting beside my grandmother's bed holding her hand and she was dying. And oh boy, this the emotions are coming up. <laughs> I told my partner. 
before the show. I was like, I hope I don't cry. <laughs> and she's, you know what she told me? She's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so I'm going to work through this. I'm going to take a deep breath in, take my own advice and use my breath as my pow- most powerful tool to get centered again and be here with you so I can share the story. Whew. So an hour before she passed, I was standing nose to nose with my father on her back porch. And I was raging against him. I mean, I mean, raging against him for dishonoring her and mocking my grief and my attempts to connect with her. And I was just so pissed off because I was trying so deeply to connect with her and to be with her um, as she was passing. And, you know, she never drank. She kept an immaculate home. Um, she was immensely proud. She was a little scary <laughs> if you broke the rules of her house, but I knew she adored me. She was hardworking, generous, and she was a woman of faith. And I absolutely adored this woman. And I knew she loved and adored me. And I knew she would do anything for me. And seeing her slowly slip away, oh, it was breaking my heart. And even though she was unresponsive to my voice, I just wanted to offer her that comfort. And I wanted her to know how much I loved her, and it was okay to let go. And this is all coming up. You know, I've thought about this over and over again, but I've never spoken these words. So it feels like, ooh, this is a release and a healing in this moment. So I appreciate all of you being here with me for this really amazing process that I'm feeling for myself. And so, you know, we were alone in her bedroom except for my dad. And he sat across from us. He sat in her favorite chair and he was sipping Jim Bean on ice in the middle of the day um, with his spare bottle wrapped in a brown paper bag stashed underneath underneath her chair. And just the sight of him drinking in her home, in her chair, in her bedroom, in her presence infuriated me. And I heard him say, I don't know why you bother. She can't hear you anyway. That's what he said to me as I whispered into her her ear how much I loved her and it's okay to let go. And that was all it took. It was as if he flicked the butt of one of his marble cigarettes onto the gasoline-soaked coals of my anger. And at that moment, I stood up. I walked to stand in front of him and I was seething. I said, you and me outside now. I didn't want my grandmother to hear what I was about to say because I believed she could hear us. I could handle it. I led him to the back porch where I laid into him. My body was on fire. My eyes narrowed and focused in on his face. And I do not recall all that I said, but I do know there was a lot of cursing, yelling and blaming and threatening. As a child, I would cower at his outbursts of anger and threats. But as an adult woman, I had had enough. I dug in and I didn't back down as I dared him to follow through on his threat to hit me. I felt the enormity of the anger, frustration, and even hate for a man who chose alcohol over his family, all mixed with the gut-wrenching grief of knowing I was moments away from losing someone I deeply loved. 
and who in my bones I knew loved me. Standing inches away, I declared to him and to myself, this relationship is over. You will not contact me. You will not speak to me. You do not exist to me anymore. I had reached my limit. My relationship with my dad over the years had become increasingly tumultuous as his drinking worsened. I didn't understand at the time alcoholism is a disease, not a choice. And I saw him choosing his alcohol over his family. And I didn't understand that this was his way of handling his past. I only knew I had to stand up for myself and no longer engage in his toxic world. I refused to be a part of his life unless he got help. And I did tell him that. And a part of me wanted him to get help. A part of me wanted a dad who chose his family, who chose me over alcohol. He never did. And I never spoke to him again. And he died six months later due to complications of excessive drinking. And so the tsunami continued. That wasn't the end. <laughs> it continued to swell. And over a few, another four-month time span, I lost another two family members and two pets. And I found out on my birthday that my long-term partner, you remember the one who didn't go with me to the abortion, was cheating on me with two of my friends. My intuition was signaling something back then. The twist is that one of those women that was at my birthday party was the one that told me about her friend having an affair with my partner. But the twist is she didn't tell me that she was as well. How fun is that? <laughs> oh, and then, you know, I lost my home in the split because obviously we split up or maybe it's not so obvious, but I split up with him. And finally, I was laid off from my job because I was too lost in my grief and unhappy with the position. Oh, this is this is a little, let's lighten this up a little bit because I recall being in my boss's office and hearing the news that they were eliminating my position in the company. And I started to weep. And he was fairly new, so he didn't really know me. He'd only been at the company a few months and I'd been there uh, three years and he uh, didn't know how to handle a woman crying in his office because he was essentially firing her. When I was able to regain some composure, the expression on my boss's face was priceless when I told him, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. I had been so miserable in this job, but I was too afraid to quit. <laughs> so I was bereft. I was financially unstable. I was emotionally tapped and spiritually disconnected. I lost all faith that the universe was benevolent and generous. And I lost trust in men. And and I lost trust in women having a relationship with women. And also I lost faith in and trust in the universe. I actually turned my back on God or goddess or the divine, whatever you want to call it, because I felt like it was cruel. She or he or it was cruel. And the discomfort was immense. I mean, it was so immense, but I had no tools to process all the stuff that I was feeling, all the grief, all the suffering, all the anger, all the rage, and nothing felt safe and nothing felt stable or certain. You know, it really felt chaotic, but I kept telling myself I can handle it, but I wasn't. I mean, I recall driving down the road one day after hearing it being hit again, and I don't recall exactly what it was that hit me that time, but I remember my response to the news that 
I felt this swell of rage come up in my body. And I was just screaming out loud to my understanding of God at the time and just prodding to say, go ahead, give me some more. And, you know, I use the MF word there. And I was like, bring it on. And I remember saying, I can handle it. Bring it on. I can handle it. You can't break me. Well, I wasn't handling it and I was breaking. And so I'm going to share with you an audio clip from my TEDx talk. Um, This is how I introduced my talk at the TEDx Asheville. They told me never to look in the mirror. Not my first time, at least. But I did. The first time I tried cocaine, I looked between two fat, powdery lines right into my own eyes. For a brief moment, I saw the woman in the mirror for who she truly was, a bright, fiery soul, beautiful, passionate, and whole. I blinked her away. I diverted my gaze, and I took a deep inhale. I didn't believe in her, and for three years, I ignored her. I buried her under my rage and my grief and my mistrust of men and my hatred of God for abandoning me. With late nights filled with alcohol and cocaine, I created the dramas that validated my beliefs, that I was unworthy, people were not to be trusted, and life was against me. Life was against me. That's what I believed. Hmm. So the yoga tradition tells us that if we do not live in alignment with our life purpose, we won't truly be happy. And, you know, every late night escapade that I had and hungover morning took me further away from my purpose and my calling until one sleepless night, I just felt so lost in my loneliness and fear that I wept out loud, you know, to some unseen force that I didn't, wasn't sure I believed in and that was so angry at. And I just wept for help. And in that moment, my tears suddenly stopped. I felt a wave of calm come over me. And I no longer felt alone in that moment. And I fell into a deep sleep. And in that moment, I didn't understand at the time, but I had experienced a part of myself, my true essence. And What is remarkable about that moment is anyone has ever done cocaine, because that night I was out with a friend partying. It was her bachelorette party, and I had a lot to drink, a lot of cocaine. And if you've ever had cocaine, you know you just can't freaking sleep. You're just stuck there with your mind going. And I was able to fall asleep, and I slept so deeply that night. And the thing is, is that that wash of peace that I felt was grace. And it was a precious gift. And it was a precious gift, not just to sleep through the night, but it was a precious gift because in that moment, that brief moment where I experienced myself, where something shifted in me, I didn't understand that it was shifting within me, but it was a small shift, a small shift that took me in a different trajectory. And it wasn't the last time I partied um, because my inner compass was recalibrating. And we have to understand that I share this oftentimes in my uh, with my women that I work with is that... It can take a five-degree shift, and, and you can be on a completely new trajectory. If a boat has a, or a plane is flying and they change their, their coordinates five degrees, they could end up on a completely different continent. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was on my way to landing on a completely different continent. 
So in my TEDx talk, I mentioned that the yoga tradition says if we don't live in alignment with our life purpose, we will not truly be happy. In the Bhagavad Gita, the is an ancient spiritual text that states, it is better to live your own destiny imperfectly to, to, than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. But what if you were like me? At the surface, I was having fun, but that fun was masking the deeper pain, insecurities, and fears. I wasn't truly happy because I was living a life full of drama instead of dharma, which is our life purpose, our sacred duty. And I wasn't imitating someone else's life either. My plans, direction, and what I thought to be my purpose had all been stripped away that prior year. So when we come back from this short break, I want to share with you about the delicate balance of nature and how I came back into balance. So if you're listening, thank you so much for listening. We have so many new countries listening. A few of those are New Zealand, UK, Australia, Slovenia, China, South Korea, South Africa, France, Switzerland, and even Zimbabwe. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back after the short break. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello and welcome back everyone to Women Thriving Unapologetically. You're listening to me today. Um, I'm sharing a story, several of my stories leading up to my TEDx talk, Change Your Breath, Change Your World. And I was getting quite um, emotional before the break because I was actually putting to words something I have not really spoken about or talked about Um as much as I am today. So thank you for holding space for me to share this story. And I'm especially want to give a thanks to those women that are listening in Italy and Ecuador and 
Brazil, Japan. We also have listeners in the Philippines and India. The list goes on. But I just want to say that I really appreciate you listening and taking the time to be a part of this show. And I know for a lot of women, it's challenging to be um, where you where you live and taking the risk to listen to this show. So let's send out love to all our fellow women today. And so let me dive back in. And, you know, before I left, what I proposed the question, like, how do you, how can you know your purpose and how can you really live your destiny if you are not even, you know, have no idea like that you're lost, no idea what your purpose is, or even if you're not even trying to imitate someone else, you're just out there. And, you know, there is a delicate balance to nature and we must remember that we are a part of nature. And when chaos disrupts that balance, whether it be internally or externally, we suffer. And the deeper meaning to the quote from the Gita is that what I'll read to you again, it is better to live your own destiny imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. And the deeper meaning of this quote is that the greatest suffering comes when we are disconnected from nature, our source, God, goddess, all that is, insert your own def- your own word for spirit. And because when we lose that disconnection, we're also losing our disconnection to our dharma, a sacred duty, which is also our sacred purpose in this life. It's not necessarily our job, our career, but it's our purpose. And it is what we have been called here to do in this lifetime. And there are many things that can pull us away from that sacred purpose and can disconnect us from our source and our inner guidance and and keep us from trusting ourselves and our intuition and being able to have clear insight as to what the direction we're meant to go is. And it could be a gradual pulling away or it could be a ripping away. I think it was a combination of two, the both, both of those for me, but you know, recall, I had no idea how to change the trajectory of my life. I didn't have Google, a mentor, a guide, you know, I didn't even own a computer at the time. And after being laid off, a friend invited me to start bartending because I didn't have a job. I didn't have a, you know, I was kind of without a real home and I was out there like, what the heck am I going to do? And I had a friend invite me to start bartending at a popular bar near the university where I live. And, you know, it was great money. I mean, I paid off my student loans and my car, all of my debt, my credit cards, everything bartending. I could never have done that in the job that I had. I'm not saying go out and quit your job and go bartend, but I'm telling you what, in three years, I was able to do all of that, which was very freeing. And I was actually having fun without responsibility, which was huge. And it affected me um, in the sense where I could just be this let go and let a part of myself come to the surface that I never allowed myself to experience because I always had to be so perfect and do everything perfectly and do all the right things. And, but it also offered me the opportunity to push down and ignore the discomfort of the unknown of my future and all the fears that I was having and all the pain of the past. But that pivotal night, if you recall, when I was wept out loud for help and I was able to fall asleep and and feel this wash of peace, it sent me in a new direction um, and a new path. And what I've come to know now is that in order to realize what your true path is, there are several things that steps you must take. And one, you must heal your wounds. You must go into, face your past, 
and and the poison that is infecting your thoughts and walling off your heart and the the beliefs that are controlling what you hold to be true about yourself, others in the world around you, and even God or goddess or spirit. I mean, I've used all these words throughout my my growth. So I started with a few different words that and now I, I usually use the divine or goddess. And you know, if we don't heal our wounds, then we're not actually able to understand the thoughts and the beliefs that we're having that are informing our actions. And number two, we also must develop a strong sense of awareness. And number three, we must also trust and follow our healed heart, even when it's scary, uncomfortable, or challenging. That's part of this show, Thriving Unapologetically, is following your heart unapologetically despite the challenges that you're experiencing. But let's start with defining awareness. Now, awareness is knowledge or perception of a situation or fact your environment and all of your five senses are bringing in information around all of these things. And so awareness keeps us focused in the present moment. And if you're not aware, essentially you're sleepwalking through your day and sleepwalking through your life if you're not aware all the time, which a lot of us aren't. And awareness keeps you focused in the present moment. So can I be aware of what I'm thinking but also how those thoughts are making me feel. And then can I be aware of how I am feeling, but also how those thoughts are informing the actions that I take or don't take? And can I be aware of my actions and how they are creating my experiences and creating whatever is coming into my life, what I'm manifesting? And can I be aware of how I'm moving through the world speaking, thinking, feeling. And so when you are aware of what you are thinking, feeling, and doing, guess what? You regain power of choice. Because if you're walk, sleepwalking through your day, you don't have power of, your, of the choice of your feelings, thoughts, or actions. And so in any given moment, when you're aware of how you are feeling, you have the choice to continue to feel that way or choose another path. In any given moment, when you are aware of what you're thinking, you have a choice to continue to think that or choose another path. In any given moment, when you are aware of what you are doing, you have the choice to either continue what you are doing or choose another path. In that moment, when I looked into that mirror lined with cocaine for a brief flicker of time, I saw my essential nature, but she was too unfamiliar to me to trust her. I didn't even understand what I was seeing. I had lost my point of power. I wasn't aware of how deeply I was grieving, how lonely I felt. I was pushing down the emotions, the pain and the fear. I was pretending to be okay, strong, and that I could handle it. When fully aware, life um, can be experienced from a steady, calm foundation. But when this foundation is rocked without connection to spirit and inner guidance, then we feel rocked. And so from this foundation, a steady, calm foundation, we can align and experience consciousness. Consciousness cannot be experienced if we're stuck in the past or worrying about the future, but only from the present moment. So there are many ways to avoid being present to uncomfortable feelings and even to subdue all the stress that we're experiencing in our lives. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, 
Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's TV or social media, retail therapy, exercise, or you can get even get lost in your to-do list. And so think of a time when you felt overwhelmed. What did you do? What did you do to comfort yourself? And how did it make you feel? And how did it make you feel in the moment, but also after? And so stress and illness and anxious, repetitive thoughts distract us from who we really are. So I'm going to share another audio clip from my TEDx talk, and I'll share with you a little bit behind that clip when we come right back. Now, physics was not my strongest subject in school, but I do remember Ohm's law, which states in its simplest terms that when there is a lot of resistance, energy will not flow freely through an electrical conductor. And when resistance is low, energy will flow more freely. So think of your body as a container or a conductor of energy. Our negative emotions and our negative thoughts act as resistances to the flow of energy. And when we have a lot of resistance, we become more susceptible to bodily disease and mental dis-ease. And when there's a lot of energy and it flows better, the better we feel. The body is a container in an archive of everything we were born with and everything we've experienced. Both the yogic tradition and modern science suggest that unprocessed emotions and experiences are actually stored in the body, especially from the navel to the pelvic floor. Okay, ladies, how many of you have a junk drawer at home? So this is the, that one drawer where we cram everything that we don't know what to do with, but we're not ready to let go of. So in our body, we have a junk drawer, and it's located in our pelvic bowl. This is where we cram all of our emotional junk, all the experiences of life that we haven't processed. And so memories can carry powerful emotions and feelings. I mean, you you could witness that when I'm just sharing the memories of my grandmother's passing, all the emotions that came up. And so, and even for me, it's still there. And I've done a lot of work around this, that, that, that one day. And they can, if we don't work with them, they remain unprocessed and they can get stored in the body and they can actually create blockages to the flow of vital life force, which we call prana and yoga. And if we never clean out this junk drawer, just think you're constantly cramming new experiences in there, new emotions, new memories, new feelings, and you're never cleaning it out. It is getting jam packed. I mean, mine was jam packed. And when you have that jam packed, there's not, there's no energy or space to move. And so we have a habit of breathing at a certain level, physically and mentally, that is tied and intertwined with our habits of thinking and emotional reactions. And in order to avoid tapping into uncomfortable feelings, it's been shown that we will actually shorten our breath and we'll keep it to the chest. We don't actually take deep, full belly breaths. But what happens is this keeps healing energy and life-giving force, prana, away from what is stored in the junk drawer. And we need this life-giving energy to go down there to help clear out that junk, to help make space for us to actually have more energy in our lives. And so how can we begin to clean out the emotional junk drawer? I mean, I just, I just told you, like, and we can start working with our breath. There's a lot of different ways, but I, as I mentioned in the very beginning, the breath is one of the most powerful tools that we have and is part of all those other modalities that we use for healing and transformation. 
And when we can learn to breathe fully into those areas of discomfort, we become more aware and we can unpack the junk drawer and create space. And with spacious awareness, we can expand our minds. We have the ability to start expanding our minds and our perceptions of ourselves and our life and other people and what they might be experiencing in their life. You know, because I didn't understand that my dad was, you know, pushing down all of his hardship from his life and he wasn't dealing with it. He wasn't handling his past. And so through the work with the breath and learning how to heal these unprocessed emotions, you can expand your awareness and see, oh my gosh, the pain and the suffering that other people might be happy, uh, going through in their life. And that creates a space for compassion for yourself as well as for others. And so with the breath, it helps us connect also to our, our divine connection, our essential nature. And when we enhance that quality of energy, we start to lessen those resistances. Just like I mentioned in Ohm, that Ohm's law of resistance, the less resistance there is, the more energy will flow, the more prana, the more healing can flow. And when we start to breathe intentionally, we can start to really do the deep inner work for ourselves and not waiting for something to happen for us. So yoga practices move energy, prana, um, pranayama, breathing practices move energy, the meditations and visualizations. And then when you combine them in a really intelligent way, find someone to help you understand how to put these all together what happens is you can really truly lessen that resistance and allow the energy of your life to start to flow freely. And so we have this thing called a vagus nerve and it, it runs from the middle of your brain and it wanders down through your body, through all the main organs of the body and the filaments end in the pelvic bowl. And it re regulates the, the function of the brain, the heart, the liver, the kidneys, guess what? The lungs. And so when we act, when activated the vagus nerve acts like this brake pedal that helps us slow down an overstimulated nervous system. Because when you're in immense emotional stress, physical or mental stress, your nervous system is activated. And so through deep intentional breaths, we can slow the nervous system down. And it, when the nervous system slows down, our perception actually opens up because when we're under stress, our minds actually get very narrow and I remember when I was talking to my dad, I was so angry. My focus was so narrowed. I could only see him in that moment. Everything else was in the background. I it wasn't even there. And so the deeper, the more full and even the breath, the more powerfully the vagus nerve is stimulated, which will positively affect all the organs that it's connected to. But also it stimulates the prefrontal cortex. Now, this is the area of the brain that is responsible for higher mental functioning decision-making, <laughs> self-observations, language and reasoning, social interactions, and emotional control. So I had none of that going on when I was raging against my father. And so it was like, okay, with intentional breathing, you come back to a calm, steady center and your perception opens up and you're able to communicate better. You're able to feel into what you're experiencing, but not allow it to overwhelm you like that tsunami. And so intentional breathing helps you remain calm and steady and in this state where you can observe yourself, observe what you're thinking, observe what you're feeling, observe what you're doing. And you can decide in that moment, is this what is 
moving me towards my best self or is it taking me away? Because in that moment, you had the power of choice again. And so deep, deep breathing patterns help us clear out the emotional junk and allow that energy to flow. And it supports us in avoiding disease and reinforces our sense of connection and allows for clear communication and, and create healthy relationships because clear communication is always essential for a healthy relationship, right? And so, and with the breath, we're less likely to be triggered by life events. And so it's more powerful than drugs. It's more powerful than alcohol. It's more powerful than that bag of cookies. And I love some cookies. <laughs> and so the cool thing is, is that when we learn these practices and we do them consistently, this is not a like one and done thing. This is a, a lifelong daily practice because you have a junk drawer and you're have experiences that are happening every single moment of your day and it's getting stuffed full of those experiences. So we want to have a consistent practice that continuously helps us clear out that clutter. And so when we do that, we have these long lasting benefits that just keep improving over time. And so just think about that for a moment. Just you have this birthright of breath. It's your power tool. What are you going to do with it? And so the yoga teachings are very clear that a calm, steady mind is essential to order in order to be able to perceive and connect to consciousness and to understanding our unchanging essential nature and to know and to live a sacred purpose and to be deeply connected to nature. And the breath is a pathway to that state of awareness that moves you to greater health, greater self-knowing, greater purpose. And this is why I start every episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically with the breath so that we are creating that consistency. I start every, with every one-on-one client, we start with the breath. Every workshop, every retreat, we start with the breath. And so I'm going to give you one last clip from uh, how I ended my TEDx talk. Sufism uses the analogy of the human heart as a polished mirror that reflects the light of our highest self, our highest potential. Unfortunately, the mirrors of our hearts are often covered with the grime and the dust of our suffering, our blame, our shame, our regrets, our anger. The breath helps us begin the process of clearing that away. Today, I no longer divert my gaze and breathe in a drug that helps me avoid my emotional junk. Instead, I use the breath to steady me, take me inward, where I find the courage to uncover and bear witness to my pain. When I clear out the clutter, I discover underneath inherent joy, beauty, strength. I can look directly into the mirror of my heart, see myself clearly, take a deep inhale, and breathe in life. So... The heart is a mirror to the soul, and all of our experiences can cloud our ability to see ourselves for who we really are. And spiritual teachers for millennia have taught us that we must turn our focus inward in order to change the outer world. And, you know, no one was going to heal me, and there was no magical thinking that was going to change my life. And I wasn't going to be able to take some pill that someone promised me would fix the way I was feeling. I had to do the inner work. And I had to commit years and years to this work 
so that I could save myself from me. I could save myself from my what my beliefs were telling me about men, about relationships, about friendships. I could save myself from the beliefs that I had about what I thought was possible for me, what I thought about the world around me. So it was up to me to create space to do the inner work and to process the pain so that I could stand on a TEDx stage and share. I could be here in this moment with you and share and tell you that, you know, the fastest way forward is truly with the lightest load. And we have to unravel our knots and we have to clear out the clutter and we have to do it again and again and again so that we can become the most expansive version of ourselves because women, we are the next generation of leaders. And we don't want leaders that are carrying around all this crap and moving from a place of anger or blame or shame and thinking that they're owed something in their life. But we want leaders that step in and truly understand who they are, are connected to nature and are up there and moving from this connection, not just to one half of their brain, but their whole brain. And this is what's going to really change our personal lives. And that's going to ripple out into the greater communities and into our countries and into our world. And, you know, and I'm so grateful for those late nights of partying and drinking and you know, because it opened my eyes to how, um, you know, pain can sometimes just be too much. And it can be too much if we, especially if we don't know how to handle it. And, you know, or have the tools and the people to support us and help us navigate those events, especially when you feel like you're being cleaved in two. I didn't even know how to ask for help. Remember, I hid everything that I was feeling. I didn't share a lot of this or most of it with my family. And so the people that I partied with were good people. They were smart. They were funny. They were extremely talented and generous and had big dreams. And a lot of them have fulfilled those dreams. But surrounding myself with them, I realized how judgmental I had been. I had these strong, clear lines of good and bad and right and wrong. It helped me find some lightness at the surface when I was read until I was ready to dive deep. It helped me soften around my beliefs around my dad and have some compassion for what he was going through. Because I still, to this day, don't know. And so, I'm nearly 51. I was reading that on my notes. I said, wow, I really am nearly 51. (laughs) And now here at this age, I can say that I truly trust and understand that I can handle anything that comes my way. And I don't handle it by pushing it down. I don't handle it by using my anger as fuel in a way of communicating. And yes, sometimes I slip up. I'm still, it's still something that I'm working on. And, but I'm so much better than I ever was because I'm dedicated to it. And I don't force my way through life and believe I can handle things alone with a false sense of confidence. Instead, I bravely face those painful moments And the parts of myself that are wounded and need tending to. And I commit each time, every single day, to honor myself and to nurture myself and to clean out that junk drawer, to align myself with my heart and develop a strong sense of trust with my intuition. Because my intuition was telling me a lot of things back then that I I didn't pay attention to and let other people tell me I was crazy. I trust my intuition and it guy every time i listen to my intuition and trust my heart i get led to where i'm meant to be and i, I step into a more expanded version of myself and so whether 
whether I'm using yoga asana or meditation, yoga nidra or writing or chanting, I always start with the breath. And the more frequently I do this, the more I trust my purpose, the more I trust my sacred duty, my dharma. And I'm more that I trust that the trajectory of my life is the trajectory that I'm meant to be on. And I, you know, I don't pretend that the, and I'm not going to tell you that by doing these practices that you're not going to lose a loved one or a job and someone's not going to cheat on you or that, you know, you're not going to have a health challenge. Those things happen. But what happens is through these spiritual practices, you are able to lean into a part of yourself that is unchanging, that is eternal, that is so steady and strong, and a part of you that can handle it. And so this is what true thriving is, that we continuously align ourselves with our heart, our purpose. We continually move forward towards our dreams and our goals towards and, and honor our sacred purpose and lean into the part of ourselves that can handle it. And so if you're willing to take that journey to healing and self-knowing, then reach out to me. I'm now taking a few clients for spring. I can work one-on-one with you and we can go through the process, my three-step method called Heal, Transform, Thrive. And I can walk you through this process one-on-one and you'll get lots of nurturing and support from me and learn the practices that I have used to bring me to this point in my life where I feel much more aligned and happy uh, and with the challenges. And I also have an incredible program called Awaken the Divine Feminine, where women come together in community. And we go through the process of awakening what's called the goddess energies, these dormant energies within us that we haven't been tending to so that we can step into our full power and our presence and align ourselves with the unseen forces that can guide us and where we can really hone in and develop our intuition and awaken and reveal our purpose and really celebrate each other and what it means to be a woman who claims her self-worth, takes up the space that she's meant to take up and thrive unapologetically. So the way you can reach me is you can go to my website, lindsaymccowan.com. That's L-Y-N-S-I-E-M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com. You go to the Clarity Call button on the homepage And all we're going to do is we're going to jump on a call, we're going to have a chat, and we're going to see if we're a good fit for working with each other. I don't use those sales tactics that make make you feel like you're going to miss out on something. This is about having a true connection and being inspired by the work and never, ever feeling like you have to do something or else you're not going to live the life that you want. So join me on a journey one-on-one or in this group together. And in the meantime, I'll be here every week for you on Women Thriving Unapologetically radio show here on the Voice America Empowerment channel. So I'll see you next week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Much love to each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.